Uh, we want to look at anthropology for the next couple weeks together. Now, anthropology is the science of man. It's the science, observation, identification, description um, with uh, experimental with experimental investigation. That's what uh, anthropology is. Now, we're not going to look at it in the light of Webster's Dictionary. What we're going to look at it together is in the light of biblical truth, spiritual truth uh, from the Word of God. Uh, what we want to study is, first of all, human philosophy and then human psychology, philosophy and psychology. Now, the two things are... Uh, they have similar characteristics, but they're different as far as the thoughts are concerned. Uh, human philosophy is, of course, greatly subject to error. And the reason it is is because it's based upon human thinking. Uh, the definition of that is the love and pursuit of wisdom. It's an inqu inquiry into the nature of things with logical reasoning. So man uses logical reasoning to come up with what he would call truth. This is truth because I thought it to be so. <clears throat> and we want to investigate that. Now, man would say, well, we scientifically looked at this. And really, when you study science, you see it's kind of uh, difficult to come to a, 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 a fixed conclusion on almost everything. There are some things, obviously, that man can, and, but it's always based upon scriptural truth. So we want to see particularly uh, that their view of psychology, their view of philosophy, uh, crashes into the Word of God. There's a giant explosion there. And, of course, the Word of God always comes off on top as we look at the Scriptures. Let's, first of all, recognize that um, what God says about man is always based upon his being the creator always based upon that. Uh, and what man says about God is based upon not his being the creator, human philosophy, but rather ba his, based up, uh, his being based upon a mythological character. Uh, they believe in many gods. Uh, wherever you travel in this world, you can find a different group that believes in a different type of god. I don't know if any of you have ever had opportunity to study any type of Greek uh, philosophy, psychology. It's amazing when you uh, start looking at uh, where they come up with these different gods. Uh, one god was sewn into the thigh bone of another god, and uh, you get these bizarre, bizarre. Uh, rather than believe truth, they'd rather come up with all kinds of mythological type of thinking. Why is that? Well, because their philosophy obviously and always crashes right into the Word of God. Let's look, please, if we could, at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, human philosophy puts man at the center. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible puts God at the center. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and you're well aware of this passage, you're well aware of all the passages we'll be looking at, but notice what God says, that the Spirit of God is the teacher of the Word of God, of course, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And we read in verse 13, which things we speak, not in the words which 
man's wisdom teacheth. This is not human philosophy, psychology, but rather which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with essentially spiritual things or spiritual people, comparing what God's word says with what God says. Now picking up in verse 14, but the natural man, this would be an unsaved individual, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. So human philosophy, psychology is based upon human reasoning, human thinking. And someone who was involved in that human reasoning or human thinking cannot understand God because they do not have the Spirit of God indwelling them. We do run into cases, however, and these would be, uh, let's call them quasi-Christians, if they're Christians at all, I'm not really sure, but they try to interject human philosophy into the Bible. The reason he did this is this, because of this, and because of this, and they try to reason through the scriptures instead of taking God's word at his, taking God at his word. The Bible tells us we need to take God at his word and act accordingly. Because a lot of times you cannot reason out many of the things in the scriptures. They're reasonable to God, but because we're finite human beings, we struggle, don't we? I do. I struggle. God, why would you take that Christian home? They were such a great witness, and you left this one here. It wouldn't bother anyone if you took him home, but you, you, you took this person home. A lot of this is so beyond our thinking that we, it's in, in, we're incapable of of comprehending it completely. But we know this, shall not the God of all glory do right? He always does right, no matter what our reasoning may be behind that. So we want to look at what God says about man. First of all, you know, of course, God said that he created man. Now that flies in the face of everything out there. God created man. Now, I, I personally believe the reason that the world rejects that is because if they ever believed in a creation that is a creator, then they know they would be subject to him. And they don't want to be. They just don't want to be. And if they acknowledge that God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, created them, then they would also recognize that they need to obey him. And they don't want that. They want to go on human reasoning. I want to do what I want to do. If it feels good, do it. All this type of business. They can't understand the scriptures. Why? Because they don't have the receiver to, to understand them. They don't have the spirit of the living God. What does God... Man says, man is at the center of everything. You're the center of your own universe. You ever hear that? Man, what a tiny universe I had. You know, Lowell, Massachusetts. You know, this big. That was my universe. Um, God says, think beyond that because he's the creator. But man, of course, thinks of himself as the center, and God calls himself the center. Let's look at a passage. Turn with me to the 8th Psalm. The 8th Psalm. Now, you're very familiar, again, with this Psalm. This Psalm uh, really is, uh, has to do with our Lord Jesus Christ, but God is pointing out through David about man about man. <clears throat> and we read that in the 8th Psalm. Look at verses 1 through 4, please. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. 
Out of the mouth of babes and, and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, and thou, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Now listen to what David says. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? He's a, just a created being. Just part of God's creation. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. David's talking about man. What's man, God, that you could possibly even consider him? Why even give him a second look? Well, because of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the one that's going to come and redeem fallen man. It's prophetical. We re recognize that. We see that. But what, what is man? Well, man is the focus of God's glory, the focus of God's glory. And what we want to do is recognize that God set us apart to glorify him in everything we do, to look at him and his word and be directed and guided by him that we would reflect his glory because he made man in his own image. But, of course, because of the fall, man has taken a, a left-hand turn and is far from giving God glory. So what we want to see is... Uh, this philosophy and psychology that man has and what God says about these two things being, of course, diametrically opposed. Uh, the world says man evolved. God said, no, I created them. And um, that's where the clash begins. So let's look at a couple of passages to see this. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 11. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 11. <coughs> In Exodus chapter 4 and verse 11, <clears throat> we'll pick it up in verse 10, really. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither therefore not since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So Moses said, I'm not able to communicate you to Pharaoh. You know, just one of the, of course, many excuses that Moses tried to come up with uh, so he wouldn't have to appear before Pharaoh. What an interesting person Moses was, is, was he not? You think about him? 100 years old, climbing mountains. I'm 64, and I will never climb another mountain as long as I live. As long as I can... Press a gas pedal, there's no way I'm walking up there. No way. But Moses, 100 years old, climbing up the mountain. And we're talking about mountains that are two, 3,000 feet high. Up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down. Incredible number of times. And, but Moses, now, when he comes to going before the Lord, he says, I, I don't, I, I mean, going before Pharaoh, uh, uh, let me think of a thousand excuses. Give me till tomorrow and I'll be able to explain some things to you. But the Lord said to him, in verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or the deaf and the seeing or the blind? Have I, have not I the Lord? Essentially, I created the whole business. I created you. You're going to do what I tell you to do. And Moses, of course, is whiny and cry here, and God says, well, 
you can take uh, with you Aaron, your brother. But recognize that God says he created. And not only does he said, say he created, but he created the whole thing in six 24-hour days based upon a, a, a sun that God hung in space. All the planets hang from nothing, the scriptures tell us. He hung a, a star out in, the, in our planet that, that uh, circles that star. And um, God says, I've made it all in 24-hour days with the spinning of planet Earth. The whole thing. And, of course, you know that from um, uh, the book of Exodus again. We could go there. We won't take time for all this. But let's go back to the creation because God said he created. Turn with me to the 100th Psalm, please. Psalm 100. God created all things. Now, the Bible tells us that, and we must believe that by faith. The 100th Psalm. <clears throat> this was read this morning. A wonderful, wonderful Psalm. The 100th Psalm in the third verse of the 100th Psalm. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are the people of, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. He gave us life. We did not evolve into life from a lower life form, an amoeba, uh, somewhere. None of that's true. God made us. God is the creator. Isaiah chapter 45 this is just a few passages. There's some key passages we could look at, but I thought I'd show you some of these. I, Isaiah chapter 45. Look at verse 12 of Isaiah chapter 45. God says, I have made the earth and created men upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heaven and all their hosts. Uh, have I uh, and all their hosts have I commanded. So God said, I made the whole business. He lets us know that. So if there's any doubt in your mind, let me assure you today that God says he created everything. And since you weren't there, you have to believe him. But what does man say? Oh, no. Back in the billions. They've got to put billions behind it, because how could you end up with this unless you had billions of years of time Man began from this small, small little cell. How the cell got there, they don't know. It was a big bang theory. What, and my question is, how did the thing got there, get there that banged, blew up? Uh, there's no answer to these. Why? They weren't there. They weren't there. But God says he was there, and God said he created it, and they would rather believe uh, philosophy, psychology, than they would the word of God, of course. One more uh, passage, you are very aware of this, Colossians chapter 1. Not only did God create, but he tells us the second person of the triune Godhead, the one who would come to earth and die in the place of man, he was and is the creator. In Colossians chapter 1, we'll start right in verse 16. For by him, Christ, the prototokos, the highest of all, all that God created, his spectacular um, work. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. 
So he created the whole business, visible and invisible. So there's a lot of things that no man has ever seen that God is going to reveal later on to us, that we'll see. I think about that, don't you, sometimes? Wouldn't you just wonder what's going on? Wouldn't you love to see uh, what's behind things? Not that I can understand even what's before things for me, but what's behind. Wouldn't you love to see an angelic being? I would. I've read a lot of books, people who saw angels. Well, I can read it in the Bible, they saw angels, but these are people talking about seeing angels today, which, by the way, I doubt, but um, they said they saw angels today, and uh, you wonder, but when biblical people saw angels, they fell on their faces, dead men. You know, what, how can you say you saw an angel, and, you know, it was nice and it had wings? Well, some of them do, some of them don't. It had a halo? No, no, no. There's no halos mentioned anywhere. You get all this business from men, and it's, it's dreaming. It's man's thoughts. It might be a bad dream, too much pepperoni. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's man, and that's his philosophy, his psychology. God says something totally different. Christ created things, all things, visible, and there's the invisible, and one day we'll get to see the whole business. What a time... Uh, that will be. So human philosophy says, and psychology says, no, uh, man evolved from a, a lesser uh, life, life form. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, and we'll see what God says. Genesis chapter 1, and look at verse 26, please. Genesis 1 and verse uh, 26. Now, this is not not going to be a study on creation, obviously. We're talking about human philosophy here, anthropology, <coughs> and psychology. But we're in Genesis chapter 1. Look at verses 26 and uh, 27. And God said, uh, this is, of course, uh, the Godhead, the triune Godhead. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So God now creates everything and man is given, man is given authority and superiority over all the animal kinds. So man says, man's philosophy says we came from animals. God says, no, I created you to be above animals. Comple completely different, completely contrary to what uh, man thinks. I created you above the animals and gave you dominion over the animals. So you are my special creation in my own image and likeness. I will discuss that for a moment, uh, in just a moment. But man was created with intelligence. One time, um, I was flipping through the television, I saw these, uh, what people call cavemen. And uh, I don't doubt that men lived in caves. I think even in New Testament times, people in the land of Israel, most of them lived in caves because there was not that much wood available. And, they lived in caves, and even today, if you travel down to the south of Israel, there's all kinds of caves, for example, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, and people live in these caves, shelter, things like that. 
but I saw these cavemen, and all they did was grunt at one another and point, you know. And that's what human psychology and philosophy says. That's what man started. We started grunting, and eventually we came up with vocabulary. I like to think it was a perfect vocabulary. Probably Polish is the first language <laughs> spoken on the earth. But what does God say about that? God says something totally different than that. He, he created man with vast superior intelligence and with communication skills. We see that in Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 18 for a moment. <clears throat> Genesis 2. And look at verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be uh, left alone. I will make him a help meet fit for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed, uh, God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Now Adam didn't say, Og. He called them names. He called these animals names. Now what did he call them? I would love to know, wouldn't you? I'd love to know. Because we call them some funny things. A duck-billed platypus. It's my favorite animal in the world. What did Adam call it? I don't know. What about a dog? Can you imagine what the first dogs look like? Remember, every dog after that was created after its kind. You have these massive Great Danes, and then you have something called the Chihuahua. <laughs> Chihuahua, right? Could they be different? Could they be any different? They're both dogs. What did the first pair of dogs look like? It must have been amazing. Did Adam call them a dog? He certainly didn't call them what some people call them today, you know, my little fluffy, it's just like my child. No, it's a dog, there it is, you know. It's, it, and, and cats, and you name it, everything after its kind, Adam called them something. Why? Because he had superior intelligence, and he had speech. In verse uh, 19, And out of the ground the Lord formed uh, every beast of the field and every fowl of the ear and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called them, every living, uh, living creature, that was the name thereof. So his supreme intelligence and his supreme abilities um, and his supreme language skills gave him the ability to do that. Now what does... What does man say? Well, man evolved, cavemen. Eventually, they, they got to a place where uh, they crawled out of the this, this slime of some ooze, ooze and, and they grew limbs, and you know, limbs popped out, and eventually they stood erect, and they could speak, and uh, they became men. Well, God says, no, none of that's true. He's created whole, complete, Perfect age, perfect time period, exactly where God wanted him, exactly when God wanted him, with the abilities that God gave him. And that flies in the face of everything this world says. It's completely contrary to everything the world says. Now, you, you'll go around and try to tell people about God, and what are they thinking? They think you're nuts. And you can understand that, can't you? I can, because they were brought up thinking, in many cases, there is no God. I remember back several years ago, I bumped into a person who told me they never heard of Jesus Christ. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. 
but they came from a foreign country. And they told me they never heard of Jesus Christ. I, to me, it's hard. To, I, I've heard of Jesus Christ since my earliest uh, recognitions. But uh, they said they never did. And, and these people are coming to our country, and there, there's even people born in our country who just can't conceive of uh, a creation. And it's because it's human philosophy. It's satanic, and it's been brought in right from the start. Yay! Has God said, the moment Satan tempted Eve, he tempted Eve to do what? Question the word of God. And from then on, philosophy and psychology has come down to where we are today, where they believe nothing about our living God. Look with me, please, just for a moment at Genesis chapter 3, and, uh, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God hath made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Right from the beginning, satanic work begins questioning the word of God. And so it's no wonder we're at the place we are today. As man has not evolved, but gone backwards. From Adam, we have not gone uphill one step. Man has gone downhill from Adam all the way to where we are today, as far as his philosophical and psychological thinking. Now, God made man and gave him a moral conscience. You know, some people uh, today don't believe that man has a conscience. It doesn't bother them to think, well, we're just animals anyway, right? That's where we came from. We're just animals anyway, so uh, they're without conscience. They're without thought. And they, they bring human philosophy and human psychology to the, to the thought processes where, uh, well, I can do what I want to do as long as it feels good to me. But God says man was created with a conscience with intelligence and a, a moral consciousness between good and evil. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. <clears throat> verse 7. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So they recognized that they sinned against God, they went against God's word, and now they both recognize that they have a moral consciousness. Before that, they were, they were pure. There was nothing uh, that was uh, wicked. But now that they have faced and received wickedness from Satan himself, now they have a knowledge of good and evil. And we see that in chapter 3, verses 24. <coughs> I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 22. Chapter 3 and verse uh, 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and evil, and, and, and now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him from forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from where he was taken. So the curse had its effect. And that he had a consciousness of good and evil. He chose evil, and God said, It's just going to go downhill from here. And so God removed him from this uh, garden of evil, uh, of Eden, rather, because he had a, a full consciousness. 
Now, God created man sinless and for immortality. So man was created sinless, and man would have lived forever had there not been a fall. With no change, Adam was the perfect age, right? Probably 64, perfect age. He was a perfect age, uh, a perfect condition with a perfect mind. And he would not die ever had he not fallen, had he not chosen to fall. So God uh, uh, sentences now man to death, to uh, a physical death. And I want us to see that if we can. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. Genesis 2. By the way, you know this stuff, okay? I know you know this. I'm not giving you new information. We're just kind of putting it together for our study. But God sentences man to a physical death. We pick it up in verse 17. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So a clock began ticking in Adam's physical mortal body the moment he, he ate of the fruit. A clock started ticking. Time is going down. Now, God made man so wonderfully, so perfectly, that it took him 900 years to die. Imagine that. We barely hang around for 100, right? But he was so perfect that God began uh, bringing in a judgment upon man till the length of his days kept being shortened by the Lord, shortened, shortened, shortened by the Lord, until we get to the Psalms that tell us um, if you reach 100, it's a long time, and it's not without its distress. But man was sentenced to death. Now, the word death here in the scriptures is an interesting uh, term. It has to do from, uh, with us uh, in the Old Testament, muth. It has to do with a separation from earthly existence. A separation from earthly existence. We do know, however, that God uh, has a material part of man, body, and an immaterial part of man, soul and spirit, and we'll be getting into that in a moment. But we want to look just for a few minutes <coughs> at this separation, because God talks about a separation in the scriptures. Now, we're not going to get morbid about this, turn, but turn with me, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And you'll see this is mentioned several times in the scriptures. We want to look at what God says about death, okay? In Deuteronomy chapter 32, look at verse 48. Now, Moses is leading the tribe. Remember, he's, taken, he's led the tribe of Israel for 40 years, and now they're going up what's called the eastern side of the, uh, of the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea in the south of Israel. They're going up the eastern side of the Dead Sea. They're not in the, the promised land is over toward the west. You have the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, and the Galilee. They're going up the eastern side of the Dead Sea, and Moses is now leading the people to prepare them to go into the land. Remember, God had told Moses, you're not going in. 
You're not going to go into the land physically. Later on, Moses shows up spiritually, but uh, physically you're not going into the land. You're going up and you're going to die on Mount Nebo. Now, um, it's hard for us to tell which mountain range. It's the Moabian Mountains, the mountains of Moab, uh, we, and it's a it's a line, a chains of mountains, so you don't know exactly which peak Moses went up on and died. But he told Moses, that's where you're going to go. And uh, pick it up in verse 50. <clears throat> he says, I, and at the end of verse 40, I give the children of Israel for possession. And uh, you're going to die there in the mount, in verse 50, and die in the mount where uh, you go up and be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered unto his people. One of the uh, indications of death in the scriptures given is you're gathered unto your people. That's a term used. That means, that's what it means. You're going to die, and you'll be going where your people are. Now, you might say, well, I don't want to go where those people are. You know, uh, but the term uh, dying is be gathered unto your people. There's another term used in uh, book of Job. Turn with me to Job chapter 14. We're talking about physical death here in Job chapter 14. Look at verse 10 just for a moment, Job chapter 14. <coughs> Job mentions this. It's called man's last breath. Man's last breath. And we see that in Job chapter 14, look at verse 10. But man dieth and wasteth away, yea, a man expireth, literally breathes his last, and where is he? The statement, of course, uh, is continued. Where is he? Well, he expires, literally he breathes his last breath, and then man dies. Man just simply dies. Um, in Genesis, go back with me to Genesis chapter 49 just for a moment. Genesis 49. Both terms are used in Genesis chapter 49 <coughs> in verse 33. Genesis 49. Let's pick it up in 33. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into his bed and died and was gathered unto his people. So he he breathed his last breath, and he was gathered unto his people. He died, of course, and uh, where did Jacob go? Well, we'll see this later on in our study. I believe he went into paradise, the abode of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, so forth, and we'll see that later on. So the term to be gathered unto your people, to, to breathe your last breath, we know in the New Testament uh, the Lord Jesus called uh, death sleep, did he not? He called it sleep when he talked about um, someone being asleep, he referenced it as death. Uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, for this cause many of you are weak and sickly and many sleep, meaning uh, death. My most favorite one when God declares, talks about death, this is my favorite uh, passage. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then you head to the poetical books, I mean the historical books, then the poetical books. Uh, the second to the last of the poetical books is Ecclesiastes. And notice chapter 12, 
in verse 6. I love the way Solomon puts this. Talking about um, death of a man, he says in verse 6, or ever the silver cord is loosed. Isn't that great? Someday the silver cord will break. Does anyone remember that song? Yeah. And I know more as now shall be. But when I, um, how's it go? When I awake, I'll be in the presence of the king. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll see him face to face. The silver cord is break. That sounds better than going to sleep or being gathered together with your relatives, right? Doesn't it? But that's the term here. Notice, or ever the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. You get the idea? You break. And that's it. That's your last. Why? Because Adam, in his, with his mortal body, sinned against God, and the mortal body was subject now to death. And of course, we, in Adam, Remember, after Adam's fall, uh, he began to produce children in his own image, in his own likeness, the scriptures tell us. What? Subject to death. Sinners, subject to death. And so uh, we're part of that group. However, the immaterial part, the material part of man dies, but there's an immaterial, uh, immaterial part of man called the soul spirit, or the soul and spirit. And God says that lives on. And that's what we want to see. Now that, again, again is the scriptural uh, indication of that. What the Bible says about that is completely contrary to what man's philosophy says. Now there are some people who believe that when you die, you die and you go in the ground and that's it, it's over with. You see, I, I, I think I told you guys, I, I had a Polish grandmother and she told me, when I was just a little kid, here I'm this little kid, and, and, but I still remember to this day, I remember where we were and what she, when you die, you die like a dog and you go in the ground and they bury you. <laughs> Grandma, that was Bobchick, please, Bobchick. You know, because she told me that's where she's going. You die, you die like a dog and you go in the grave. And I'm thinking, oh man. Well, that's the philosophy. Now she was crude and she was really crude, but um, that's that's was her thinking. But that's the thinking of a, a a great part of the world. And then there's people in the world that believe you kind of wander around. Huh? There was a famous Christmas story about that, wasn't there? You wander around till you get your what? Your wings. Huh? Yeah. There's all kinds of things like that, and it's philosophical. It's it's man's thinking. Uh, you know, the, the souls wander around. This this whole television programs, isn't there? They, they check into haunted houses, things like that. That's man's thinking. Why is those shows popular? Because people really believe that stuff. But the Bible says something totally different than that. And that's what we want to investigate, what God's word says. The immaterial part, the material part of man dies, but the immaterial part of Man goes on. Now, what happens to the immaterial part, the non-physical part of man? How does this all take place? I won't have you turn there, but in the book of James, this is, the, as far as I'm concerned, the best clinical definition. As the body without the spirit is dead, 
So when your spirit leaves your body, you're dead. And the Bible also continues on to say, in the book of Hebrews, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after that a judgment. So you only die once. Now, we hear claims, and we know about, we've, you probably know people who said they died. Well, in reality, clinically, they didn't. They, they might have even stopped breathing, but that doesn't mean they were dead because they were resuscitated. Had they died, their spirit, um, their spirit leaving their body, you're not coming back. You're not coming. Now, there are a few exceptions to that in the scriptures, but that was part of the sign miracles of the Lord Jesus. The sign miracles have ceased. There are no more sign miracles today, so that just is not happening today at all, at all. But the, spot, uh, the spirit leaves the body. As a pastor, I have been uh, called to homes on several occasions, um, four, five, maybe even more than that, when I witnessed a spirit leaving a body, I did not see a form, but as I looked into the eyes of a person, you could see they, they were even, in, in one case, communicating with me, and all of a sudden, their eyes went into a, a blank stare. And I, I knew. I just absolutely knew. And of course, there were doctors and nurses that were part of that. I've, I've been there when the plug was, quote, pulled on people, and uh, people died. I've been present, and it's unmistakable. There's no question about it. And is it, is it gross? No, because I knew these people were believers. I knew where they went. They were absent from the body and present with the Lord. So we want to investigate this, uh, this uh, immaterial part of man, but we're out of time. And uh, the next time we get together, Lord willing, we'll start to look at this. What does man say versus what God says? And we're just going to do this for a couple of weeks. So I hope you'll come back uh, and uh, we'll be able to investigate just a little bit further. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your revealed truth. And we know, Father, what a horror, what a, what a, what a horrible and awful thing it is when someone who has not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior closes their eyes for the last time on this planet, we know they are judged and brought into damning hellfire forever. But we know, Father, those who have believed, who have trust, trusted, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior are absent from their body and present with the Lord. And, Father, our purpose is not to make fun of human philosophy, uh, they make fun of us enough. It's not to in any way uh, uh, belittle what they say, but rather to have an information so that we can challenge them with the truth of the Word of God, so that we will be able to present Jesus Christ as Savior, that they might believe and then have a destiny that is not hellfire forever. Father, thank you for this time. For each one that's come out tonight, we thank you. We pray, Father, as our, in our journeys, our travels. Uh, we look forward to being together on Thursday morning as we uh, give testimony and witness. What a great God we serve. We thank you when we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.